Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. Next to the weather, traffic and transportation woes are probably two of the most common topics of conversation. This week, we jump into that conversation. The Regional Transportation Authority, or RTA, got its start 15 years ago with a voter-approved $2 billion plan. It's fixed roads, added bike lanes, and built the light rail in Tucson. Still, the Tucson mayor and city council say smaller municipalities have an outsized vote in the RTA, and that's preventing Tucson from keeping up with the transportation needs of its own citizens. That's a major topic of discussion this week for the city and the RTA as Tucson nears its February 1st deadline to decide whether to withdraw from the next phase of the project. Buzz producer Megan Myskowski brings us more. Former Arizona State Senator Steve Farley is sitting inside a Tucson streetcar parked at a maintenance facility in downtown Tucson. The streetcar didn't exist when he moved here in 1995. I was shocked by how run down the bus system was, how it was simply all cars everywhere all the time. He and some like-minded locals started Tucsonans for Sensible Transportation in 2000 and tried unsuccessfully to get a streetcar initiative on the ballot and voted into law. He stood out in front of Casa Video night after night for months and months and got 18,000 signatures from across the city. Home builders, car dealers, and others who were invested more in roads than in trains were pushing back hard against the group's efforts. So after years of making little progress, Farley reached out to them. The only way to win an election and to overcome the people that wouldn't vote for anything is to get together the people who wanted transit and roads. He credits the compromises that followed with getting the RTA off the ground and with it, the streetcar in place in 2014. He says it's also created scores of jobs and brought business to the area. It has developed our tourism industry, has kept things like the Gem Show here, who said they were thinking of moving to Vegas before the streetcar got into place, and the streetcar kept them here. One compromise made in those negotiations was to give each municipality involved one vote, meaning Tucson, which has over a half a million residents, has the same voting power as Marana or Oro Valley, which each have fewer than 50,000. Since then, Tucson officials say the RTA has left the city's projects underfunded, even though it provides the most tax revenue as the biggest municipality involved. Mayor Regina Romero says RTA leadership hasn't been forthcoming with solutions to bridge that gap. I want to be a good regional partner, but we also, we the citizens of Tucson, also need good regional partners from the member jurisdictions of the RTA. The mayor and city council voted unanimously in September to withdraw from the next phase of the RTA by February 1st if the issues they raised weren't addressed. Pima Association of Government's Deputy Director Jim DeGroote says PAG leadership plans to move forward as if Tucson is staying in the RTA until it hears otherwise. That's an uncomfortable conversation to have. It has to happen. And uh, we'll see if, if everybody can work it out. It's amazing how much we've been able to accomplish with the RTA over the last decade. Beyond the funding gap, critics of the RTA also say communities who use public transit, including low-income communities and people of color, are underrepresented in the decision-making process. 
RTA leadership is considering applications for new members of the Citizens' Advisory Committee, and DeGroote says board members are doing so with an eye towards diversity. Yolanda Herrera is a member of the committee and wrote an op-ed in the Tucson Daily Star last fall, highlighting the lack of diversity in the group. Vanessa Gallego is a founder of Families United Gaining Accessibility. She says that lack of diversity has long-term consequences. There's areas that have been historically marginalized and historically underfunded, and we're talking about real infrastructure change in these communities. And, And if the current plans don't reflect that, then you're leaving a community behind for far longer than 20 years. Gallego says she'd like to see a more diverse committee, but she also thinks the onus shouldn't entirely be on new members to represent a diverse set of voices in the area. The RTA should take more initiative in getting community input. I don't know what the solution is, but I definitely can tell you that it's it's in the streets. Arlie Adkins is an associate professor of urban planning at the University of Arizona. And he says he hopes to see a good faith effort from PAG to balance representation, especially as 82% of transit users in the region live within Tucson's borders. I think if we've learned one thing about issues related to social equity, related to social justice and climate justice, it's that we can't just rely on the way that we've done things for the last 50 years. He says that although Tucson is required to work with regional partners on transit issues in order to receive federal funding, it doesn't have to be as dependent on those partnerships as it is now. In fact, many cities of the same size and structure around the country aren't. And if we're not seeing action from our regional government in the way that that really fits what the city of Tucson wants to be doing, we've got to be asking ourselves, is this system working? This week, the Tucson City Council voted to hold a special meeting on Monday. During that meeting, they will decide whether or not to add a half-cent sales tax for transportation to a special election ballot in May. For The Buzz, I'm Megan Myskowski. To keep up with all of the RTA news, be sure to check our website. Transportation funding is often tied to the federal government. Lately, the center of that conversation has been the infrastructure bill. We've heard plenty of talk from politicians about the politics of the bill. What we've heard fewer details about is the policy that comes with the infrastructure bill. For that, we turn to Yona Freemark, a senior research associate with the Urban Institute. He began our discussion by explaining what the federal spending package means for transportation. Well, to a large degree, the infrastructure bill will sort of reinforce the types of projects that states and cities around the country have already been trying to do, but haven't necessarily had the funds to get completed. You know, we're talking about a lot of money going to things like highway expansion, transit projects, and an improved power grid, things that, you know, states and cities have have really wanted to invest in and have been investing in, but which, you know, could always use some additional money from the federal government. That said, there are some elements of the infrastructure bill that are new and that will expand our thinking about what infrastructure looks like in the United States. One of the key areas that the bill invests in is intercity rail, so our Amtrak services around the country. There's about $66 billion to be allocated to intercity rail, mostly going to Amtrak over the next five years. And that's a gigantic expansion over what we have seen in the past. 
And so that's one area where I expect that we'll see some significant change. I've been in Arizona for almost 20 years, and there has been this mythical talk of a train between Tucson and Phoenix. And I know some local governments are thinking about getting in on that money for this. How hard is that money going to be to get? Because it seems like there are a lot of cities that are talking about doing this. I think you're right. You know, a lot of cities around the country and a lot of states around the country are interested in improving their public transportation and inner city rail services. And they're already in discussions with Amtrak about how exactly to do that. Now, Amtrak actually has a national blueprint for improved services that they want to see. So Amtrak has actually proposed reinstating service between Phoenix and Tucson. There was service many decades ago, and they propose having a trip that would go between the two cities in about two hours and a half, three times a day. So that's the type of service that Amtrak is talking about for Arizona. But that's not to say that the state itself, the state of Arizona, couldn't invest in improved inner city rail services and make that even better. So the number of ways to think about that, one could be investing in new tracks that would actually allow for high-speed services between the cities, massively cutting down on that runtime between Phoenix and Tucson, maybe to like an hour or so. That's the type of approach that California is taking with its high-speed rail project. The other is to attract private investors to come in and invest in improving in tracks. And that's the approach that Florida and Texas are taking with their inner city rail uh, services. So any of those possibilities could take advantage of new funding from the federal infrastructure bill. During the debate over the infrastructure bill and the initial announcements and rollout of the act once it was signed, we heard a lot about rural money, uh, projects for different parts of rural America. But we've also seen some reporting on even on NPR about difficulties with that, even defining what a rural area is. We have areas inside Tucson and Pima County that are pretty central, but they have a lot in common with rural areas because this was uh, an agricultural community for so long. So how does all of this work out as money starts to roll out into the hands of governments? So a lot of the money coming from the infrastructure bill is distributed through something called formula grants, which basically means that there's literally a formula written into the law that essentially assigns the money in the bill to communities throughout the country based on their population size. And so, you know, if you're a bigger community like Phoenix, you're going to get more money than a smaller community like Tucson, which is going to get even more money than, you know, many of the rural areas throughout the state. That said, there are specific allocations for rural areas. And those are going to areas that the census defines as rural, which, as you say, may not accurately represent what the state is thinking about or what people in Arizona think about as rural versus urban. That said, you know, I think there's a lot of discretion available to state governments and to local governments to distribute the funds in ways that they think make the most sense. You know, a huge share of the money will be going to the state government, to the state of Arizona. And if the state of Arizona is excited about investing in, in a specific community in the state, they absolutely can distribute the money as they wish. Most of the money is not being decided by the federal government. It's being decided by the state and local governments. And the other thing I want to point out that I think is really important for Arizona 
is that there was a significant expansion in money for tribal areas in the infrastructure bill as compared to past legislation. There was a big emphasis on making sure that those communities are able to leverage the grants to improve their roadway infrastructure, potentially implement bus services and things of that sort. And so those communities throughout Arizona will be getting a lot of the money. You mentioned a lot of it, the money, will be going to the state government. So elected officials, how much of a role do they have? And we're in a gubernatorial election year. We will have a new governor um, due to term limits. So how does all of that play in to potentially getting project money? State governments play a huge role in this process, and every state acts differently. But in general, the State Department of Transportation plays the biggest role in allocating funds from the federal government and actually from state uh, revenue sources as well. And the people who run the State Department of Transportation are generally appointed by the governor. So if the governor is inclined to support a certain type of investment over others, then their choices will absolutely make a huge difference at the State Department of Transportation. So one key issue that I think voters should be thinking about as we come up to the election point this November is what are the differences in what the candidates are saying about how they want to invest in the future of Arizona? Do they want to spend more on highways? Do they want to spend more on transit or inner city rail? Do they care about addressing climate change or racial inequity? All those are big questions that I think voters should be asking and that they should be asking their gubernatorial candidates to show how they will change their departments of transportation to you know, benefit their communities. We hear a lot, and you and I have talked a lot in broad strokes uh, about the Infrastructure Act. It's obviously a very thick bill physically. I mean, it's a huge number of pages. Is there anything, without going too far in the weeds, that might surprise people that's in there? Well, one thing that I think is really exciting about the infrastructure bill and that is somewhat unrelated to the transportation element of it is that the bill provides significant funding for replacing lead pipes. And even in communities like Phoenix and Tucson, which primarily have been developed in more recent years, there are sections of those communities that are still using lead pipes. And I think that the legislation, that new money from the, from the federal government could play an important role in helping replace those with new, more modern technologies that are less likely to cause health concerns for people throughout those communities. All right, great. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, for calling me up. That was Yona Freemark with the Urban Institute. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, we're talking about transportation in southern Arizona. If you spend any time talking about transportation here and get past the condition of the roads, the idea of a train between Tucson and Phoenix is bound to come up. Todd Liebman, the president of All Aboard Arizona, says he thinks it could finally happen. Well, I'm extremely optimistic right now. And I get, I, I'm extremely optimistic because, first of all, now we have, we have funding. If, if the state can apply for the funding and we can get a group of uh, units of government together that want the funding, we, there is money available. Uh, I think the, the state has done a reasonable job right now of putting together the, the environmental uh, impact statement that we needed for the, for the first phase. Now we're going to need to do more environmental work. Um, but I'm really optimistic, and I'm primarily optimistic because it just makes so much sense. 
the train would go to all the right places. The existing rail right-of-way is there. The, the tracks are there. Um, we need to upgrade, but uh, that can all be done. And now there's money available to do that. And I think this would be one of Amtrak's most successful corridors. So, um, and also Amtrak's committed to it. So that it is an exciting time. So I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, yes. What is your organization's hope for where stops would be located, Tucson, Phoenix, and places in between? Well, that's really interesting. I think that that's really exciting because one of the things that we've been able to do with our national organization, Rail Passengers Association, is look at some of the economic advantages to rail. And one of the one of the great things about you know this service is this would be a conventional rail service, uh, not not the 185 mile an hour high speed, but probably more along the lines of uh, uh, between 90 and 110 miles an hour, uh, still uh, faster than driving, especially with, uh, you know, with conditions or at least as fast as driving. And uh, uh, the stops in between would really make a difference because they could take you right to where, where you want to go. So we're probably looking at, you know, Amtrak is, has a list of station stops and we don't want, we don't like to endorse a particular station because obviously the communities have to get together and decide where they want to be. But right now, you know, so probably a stop in the beginning in Tucson or maybe even at the Tucson airport, who knows? Uh, Tucson airport, Tucson, downtown Tucson at the Amtrak station, probably Morana, um, Coolidge, and then up into the uh, Phoenix metro area to um, Tempe and then to the Sky Harbor airport downtown and then out to Buckeye. And uh, one of the really nice features of this corridor is that it would go basically through Phoenix. So you wouldn't have to navigate Phoenix, drive through down through downtown Phoenix, drive through the highways and everything. You could get to the west side of Phoenix on the train easily and efficiently. You said funding is now available. I assume you're talking about money from the new federal infrastructure package. But what is it the state has to do to leverage that money? Because obviously others are going to be trying to get it, too. Yes, that's the huge challenge. And of course, uh, we're, we're working under a deadline. We have heard that as soon as uh, March, there could be a requirement to begin putting uh, applications in for this funding. And um, the state has kind of taken the position that um, the units of government, the local units of government have to take the lead on this. And it's not exactly clear where that's at. I mean, the, the best case scenario would be for the state to step up to the plate, ADOT to step up to the plate and say, hey, yes, we're going to put in an application for this funding. This is what we need. This is what we need to get this thing done and put in an application for the funding. Uh, this is a unique opportunity because right now, uh, from my understanding, it's a 100% federally funded opportunity uh, with the state being on the hook later on after a certain period of time for uh, operating operating support. So this is really a unique, unique opportunity. Does this being a gubernatorial election year make it more difficult or maybe easier to, to get some local governments to get involved with hopes that the state could change its mind with a new governor? Or do local governments say, wait a minute, we don't know who the new governor could be. They might not be interested in all, and then we could be in trouble. No, I think from what we're hearing, all the all the local units of government are very enthusiastic about this. They want they want to move on this and they want to get something done. And I think the fact that it is a gubernatorial election year is is 
a great opportunity because it gives the people an opportunity to know where the candidates stand on this important issue. I mean, do they want to be able to travel between Tucson and Phoenix easily? Do they want a, a transportation system in the state that supports the growth that we're going to see? Or do they want or do they want gridlock? And I think the answer is the people of Arizona don't want gridlock. They want they want mobility and rail is part of the mobility of the future. And so I think this this could be a critical issue going forward in the gubernatorial race for sure. I've been hearing about this train. Sometimes it's a high-speed train. Sometimes it isn't. Since 2005, when I moved here, what's the holdup been? Well, I, you know, I think it's like a lot of things. It's it's been it's been awaiting funding, and it's been awaiting somebody to make this a priority for the for this corridor for the people of Arizona. And I think it's just been looking for a champion or champions that can take this on and really advocate for it. And say, okay, this is this is something we want. This is something the people of the state of Arizona want, and uh, and there's enthusiasm to move it forward. And I think that's really the the critical piece is is getting getting a group of like minded people together to say this is we need this because our state's growing. Uh, we've got uh, environmental issues that need to be addressed. This is clean, green transportation. It supports economic development in the communities that it serves. It has a tremendous economic uh, a spin-off benefit, and this is this is exactly the thing that Arizona really needs to be able to get to the next level as far as uh, managing its growth and and supporting business and industry and and uh, uh, the people that want mobility and people who don't have other options too, uh, uh, communities that are underserved, people that don't own cars, you know, people that that need opportunity to get to employment or uh, uh, older people or people with disabilities that need that maybe can't drive but need some kind of transportation that will support their mobility as well. What's the potential time frame if the state and the local government units are successful in getting the money from the federal government? What's the timetable? When could trains be rolling north and south between Tucson and Phoenix? Well, the really good news about this is this is we're not talking about what they're going through in California, which is basically, you know, trying to build a brand new rail line through green fields where no rail exists. We have the rail. Um, portions of the rail have plenty of capacity. They're, they're not, they're not overutilized by freight traffic. Everything from basically Picacho Junction North to Phoenix is, uh, is, is, is a opportunity because there's not a lot of freight congestion. So it could support, um, it could support rail passenger service with an upgrade, with improvements, you know, with a, you know, likely an additional track or whatever in certain certain places uh the the additional real construction would be a uh, probably a third main track probably from tucson to picacho junction but again the right-of-way is there there's a lot of uh there's a lot of space that would allow this to uh take place without um interfering in union pacific freight train operations and so i i think that's we're you know we're really in a, a unique opportunity so you asked about time frame I mean, I think if we really poured the coals, this could be realistic in a, a few years, in a single-digit number of years, not in a double-digit number of years, clearly. Um, less than five, I would say. And the last thing, would this connect to other Amtrak lines um, north of here, or would it be a case of if you were in Phoenix and you wanted to take the train to the East Coast or to California, you would take this line down to Tucson, jump on 
the train here in Tucson going whichever direction? Well, we don't see it that way at all. I mean, we really see this as part of the national Amtrak system. Uh, we're hope, uh, our, The other big project our organization has going is the Daily Sunset Limited. Right now, the Sunset Limited serves Tucson three days a week, uh, and it's, it serves Maricopa, which is um, 30 miles south of Phoenix. And they're very supportive of the train, and we, you know, we appreciate that support. And so we don't advocate, um, you know, we believe that the Sunset Limited is best daily through Phoenix. But, we're, you know, obviously that's something that all local units of government have to work out. But, of course, this is part of the Amtrak system. And so we see it both. Uh, one of the frequencies on this corridor would probably extend to Los Angeles. And that's very doable. The tracks, again, are there. They just need to be rehabbed. Uh, we've worked with our California counterparts on the Coachella Valley uh, service that they're working on. Uh, I think an ideal uh, initial extension of the corridor would be to Yuma, for example. And then you could have bus connections uh, heading to the West Coast from there. Um, and then ultimately, of course, bridging that gap to the Coachella Valley and then building on the Coachella Valley service that California is working on. And then to the east as well, to El Paso and hopefully maybe to Albuquerque. and uh, and further west to, or further east to San Antonio, New Orleans, Chicago. It, it really ties us into the national Amtrak system very well. That was Todd Liebman, the president of All Aboard Arizona. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. This week, we bid goodbye to our producer, Emma Gibson, who we wish the best of luck to as she moves on to her next adventure. Thanks for all your help. Megan Myskowski produced this week's show with help from Samantha Larned, our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer, and our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.